The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. Good morning, good morning, how are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement and I hope I find you well wherever you are listening to us around the world on RadioCarry.ie or on the traditional wireless 96 to 98 FM. We have been bathing in glorious sunshine now over the last while and uh, what a time for the bank holiday. Uh, to arrive and if you have arrived yourself into the county you are so very welcome and I hope you enjoy your time here no better place in the world when the sun is shining lots coming on the programme very shortly we'll be talking to Dominic Walsh a renowned photographer for our monthly In Focus photography slot and boy did we get some amount of photos into us you can send them to jmcgill at radiocarry.ie we will be talking about later on the Almanac. Do you remember that? That's a book now that has been published over the centuries and it is still published to this day. It used to give, you know, predictions on the weather and tide times and then it would give predictions um, on, like, the future in the line of prophecies and horoscopes and all this kind of a thing. And they had some very unusual ads in them as well. Well, we're going to be speaking to uh, the producer of a new film documentary that's in the works and he wants to talk to people that remember the almanac so maybe you do at home you can let us know and that'll be coming up around after 10 o'clock we'll also have another episode of our loss of Kerry where we focus on family food businesses in this county but Dominic Walsh is in studio Dominic you're very welcome how are you how are you doing, Joe? I was nearly not going to come in this morning, do you know? The sun is out, it's uh, what a day, do you know? I mean, where would you want to be without and about? It you were going to stand me up? I was going to stand <laughs> you up, boy. I was half tempted to ring in sick. Totally dr- you go to work. be the first time in my life I've stood up. You, you'd, you'd love to be uh, pulling in a sickie, but it is brilliant weather to be out. My God, the amount of people that are taking pictures on their phones of people eating ice creams and people are putting on sun cream, people putting on hats, people on the beach and everything. It is just amazing weather and isn't everybody in fantastic form yeah it, it definitely makes a, it a difference even getting out of bed in the morning it's just like so much easier isn't it oh I jump out yeah. of bed early now in the morning get up up, up and getting ready for the day I have a wedding now later on today I'll start that now meet the bride and groom now this morning we start shooting there and working on that so it's going to be a great day there was no need of the child to prag this week eh? no there was not no <laughs> even with the head off <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like you know mentioning that I think we were talking about this during the week that it's a strange kind of a thing for you if the weather's too good, isn't it? It's it's actually more difficult to take photos if there's, there's no cloud in the sky kind of a thing, is it? It is, it's, well, it's it's not difficult from a photographer's point of view taking pictures. Technically, it's just a little bit of a change of your lighting, things like okay. that, you know, but for people in general, people in general, the weather's very good. It gets hot, so they're standing around and they're worried about the heat and you've got to be aware of that. You've got to be aware of the time that you're taking for us and people want to enjoy. People want to sit down and have a drink or a glass of wine or something like that because the day that's in it, like in the sit down is always relaxing. So as crowd control, it is a little bit more difficult. But you know, the thing about it is people are always in good form. Yeah. You would get great candid pictures now today and you have everybody laughing and joking and being just enjoying the weather like that. And people, when they're in good form, 
I can be in good form with him, didn't like that. Very good. Well, as you all know now, if you're listeners to the programme or listeners to this slot, you will know that at the start, Dominic brings in photos that he's taken over the last month and we go through them. And then we look at your photos then. And uh, the theme for this month was, you are my sunshine. And people got very creative with this. And then we look at Dominic's archive photos. Now, Dominic Walsh came in this morning with a big sign saying, Trilly in 86 it's one of those road signs and I said Dominic is there something I need to know here do I need to call him Garda Shikana uh, did you vandalise this or where did you get it and Dominic said no it was for a photo and I didn't really believe him but then I see the photo and I see it here there's a man holding the sign uh, with you and props play a big part sometimes in these kind of press photography kind of uh, events for you do they? Oh they do yes and you know they pay a huge part like and when you're getting pictures together like like you don't just take a picture like there's nearly three weeks or four weeks there's nearly a month into the organisation of this going into taking this picture it was a picture for Virgin Media thereafter bringing high speed broadband into the county and so we were trying to think of what we were going to do so what we did I said like let's try and get a road sign and maybe get a loud hailer I had to go to a friend of mine to get a loan of a loud hailer I had to go to Amy Ferris to get a sign made we had to go along and try and get a pole that was red which we couldn't get and we had to orchestrate a a pole then we had to go along and get the county council to get in contact with them because there was a a closure of a street that we had to open up and we had to go in and use that street you had to have insurance forms exchanged and you had to ring up and you had to have people on standby in case different things were happening like that and it it works well because it's just like I had to bring it around that this was just very it was a local truly event and that's where the sign came in and the sign was just there and, I, and the gentleman I mean this is the CEO of Virgin Media Ireland like yeah. and when I meet people like this the first minute or two when I meet them I really have to kind of like you know, suss them out see how amenable they are to pictures are they amenable to pictures or do they just want to stand there but this gentleman like I said look I've got a sign I've a loud hailer I have this and I have that he says you know what you're doing I'll do it. He, he was up it. for it. He was up for it. And mm. it makes such a difference. Yeah. And it comes out in the force. And people should see the photo of that. Like, it's, he's laughing, he's smiling, he's jubilant in the picture. And that's what makes it work like that. And just nice colour. And again, using our lovely streets in Tralee. They're absolutely fabulous to what they've done down there. Yeah, excellent. And uh, a great photo really captures it. Now, this is a real kind of a, a caricature photo. Um, or a portrait, I should say, a photo. And it's in black and white. And it's of the famous Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray, famous... Uh, in for such movies as The Crying Game. He was Bry in uh, Michael Collins, and very famous for his theatre work. He's in Listowel, is he? He's in Listowel. He was in Listowel for Writer's Week. He mm. got um Lifetime Achievement Award, the John B. Keane Award is what he got. Um, I was invited out to do PR work for them, and this gentleman was there, and they asked me, would I take a portrait that he could have on file? So I spoke to him. What an unassuming gentleman he was. Do you know, like, like they say, never meet your hero. Like, this man was just, how are you doing? Can I do anything for you? Where would you like me to go? How long do you want me? And I said, look, three minutes, three minutes. Because what I'd done was, before I took this picture, I'd picked my location and I brought out another person. And you've heard me do this in the past. I sat down that person and I took my shots. I knew the angle, I knew the lighting, and I knew everything. So when he came out to come in and sit down, he wasn't sitting there three minutes and I said, thank you very much, goodbye. And he was gone. And I had the picture taken. I got him looking into the camera and then when I said to him, look, I said, don't you know, I said, just look away from the camera. I said, hold your hands up in front of your chin. I said, and just relax and just think about something, anything other than what I'm doing. And that's him. He's in his moment there thinking whatever he's thinking of, I don't know. And it just came across as a good picture. Yeah, because he's not looking directly at you. 
No. Which really, I think, adds a lot to it. And the rules are broken. I've cut out a bit of his head on top. I've cut out a lot of his hands there. I've got him very tight. I think when I was taking the shot, I just wanted his face. It's the face, it's the picture, and everything around it is secondary. So it's a picture. People, when they're doing portraits, I know I'm always saying you have to have the, two, the three turtles divide into turtles, top, yeah. middle and back. But this, I've just gone that bit closer for it. But you always say rules are there to be broken, yeah? Correct. You always say it. Um, now, this is a spectacular image, and it's of a waterfall cascading down the rocks and with beautiful plants um, around it. There's a few ferns there as well. Is this Kells? That's Kells Gardens. Didn't that gentleman, he won the Chelsea Garden Show very yes. recently? Yeah. And I was sent down for the Sunday Times to take a picture and I was specifically asked, when you go down, you have to get the waterfall. So packed all my gear into the car, everything in, tripod in the car, my stop-down filter, which actually makes the front of the camera, it, you can take pictures in very bright light with the stop-down. Basically, it's like putting a polarizer or a dark little glass in front of it. So I went off, walked to the waterfall, forgot my tripod, forgot my step-down glass <laughs> filter for it like that, and I was taking the shot too far to walk back to the car, so I walked around, I stayed there for a while, didn't panic, and just relaxed, and what I did was, the ground was quite soft, so I made a little mound for the camera on that, with a little bit of leaves and kind of moss, and I had the camera, I embedded the camera into it, and I, and I held the camera, and it's like breathing. I breathe in, and I breathe out. When I breathe out, I stop breathing in, and I can hold it. And You're I like a sniper. Like That's a what sniper. snipers do, It's exactly it? yeah. the same thing. And I just held the camera, wedged the camera on the ground, and this is five seconds. Now, it's five seconds at f22. The lens was a 14-22, even though I have it in as 550 ASA. It's actually L3. It's the lowest ASO that the camera will set. That, what that means is the lowest amount of light that the camera can actually take and work. Mm. And I've set that to the lowest, and I just got this picture and it worked. And it's just you know, not panicking when you forget something. It's just working around it and taking over it. Well, congratulations once again to Billy Alexander and all the team there at Kells Bay Gardens on their wonderful achievement not the first uh, goal they've won at Chelsea either so well done to them now the last photo this man is no stranger to Radio Kerry it's Dr Eamon Shannon and uh, you've a photo of him holding up a piece of paper an A4 kind of piece landscape and he's there in what looks like his doctor's so his GP surgery Eamon Shannon's gentleman, and the reason I took this picture is I'm hoping to bring out a book at the end of the year on COVID in Kerry, across Kerry, and Dr Shannon, Eamon Shannon, was the first person that I took. He was the first person that I called when COVID came in, and I said, look, I'm looking for a picture. I'm doing work for national newspapers. Can you give me something? He said, come on out. So we came on out, and I took the picture, and he was holding the date. It was the 13th of March is when that date was. It was three years ago, I think it was. Mm. And what happened was, if people can remember, they announced that the pandemic was over. Not the COVID, but the pandemic crisis was over during the week. So I rang Dr. Eamon, out I went, and I've got him holding um, a little post, and it says, the World Health Organization, WHO, today, the 5th of the 5th, 2023, declared an end to the emergency phase of the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's the end of the pandemic, but COVID is still there, and he was obliging me. So I'm going to have him in the book as a start, and he's going to be my finishing character as well. Oh, very good, yeah. It's a kind of historic photo then, yeah. Brilliant. You're, you're bringing out a book? I'm going to bring out a book, yes. First I heard of it. Huh? Well, you I didn't consult me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about it a while and I have somebody I've con Denny in Castellani is going, is going, a there is going to be involved in me as well and I'm bringing it out and it's just going to be about 
COVID in the Kingdom. Is it like a photography book? It's going to be a photography, yeah. a, a, tab- a tabletop book, and uh, probably It'll going be, to be mainly images, like mainly but, um, images yeah, okay. and little bits of stories with them, and like. Throughout COVID, I've been every place. You, yeah, and we talked about this. You, like, yeah. you've, you'd had access where people didn't. I you were in theatres and yes, yeah. unbelievable hospital access theaters, to hospital like, yeah. theatres, mm. and I've been around and people there. I've been brought in with people that have COVID, and I, at the very start, like that, it was a terrifying experience yeah. like that because you, I think, don't think anybody knew what yeah. was going to come out of it. So I had all that done, and I worked through it like that, and I've spoken to a lot of people, and people are very interested in seeing something. It's going to be tabletop. It's just going to be something about Kerry yeah. on that, and it's going to be totally about COVID and, and, and you you'd some uplifting photos as well during COVID as well oh I just yeah because yeah, some I people think oh COVID like you yeah. know that, and yeah. it wasn't some people were great I had people meeting people helping people coming to houses with shopping baskets and handing stuff in doors I'd actually you know like there was one day alone I was stopped by the guards eight times and I rang the station three I was talking to the super I said would you just tell them that I'm going around he said Dummy they're stopping you he said because they're probably getting a chat they're seeing nobody else so they're even delighted to see you <laughs> they you were know? saying oh that's the famous Dominic Walsh <laughs> <Why> focus. Famous? <laughs> <laughs> we wish you the best look with that and you, you might think of us coming closer that we'll I bring will. you on we'll talk about it I will indeed thank you so much yeah brilliant Dominic Walsh is here with us and we're going to be looking at your photos after this the Saturday supplement on Radio Kerry Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Now, so you're listening to the Saturday Supplement and this is our monthly In Focus slot with renowned professional photographer Dominic Walsh. And now we're going to look at your photos and every month we give you a theme, a kind of a task. So the theme was You Are My Sunshine and straight into it, James Neal and Causeway in Kerry, rays of sunshine coming through the door of the old cow stall, which has been abandoned for 30 years, left to nature and the crows. And James Nealon in Causeway. Kind of a creative way to do it. And he also got the outside in looking photo as well, Dominic. I think James Nealon is producing some fantastic photos. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And to, to show nature coming in and thinking outside the box, going inside and taking pictures to a doorway off out, it's absolutely brilliant. I advise anybody to get on the website, get on Facebook, look at these pictures, because I think we've the most amazing set for a long long time this morning here we're talking about great pictures brilliant and we have loads and loads so we will be ripping through them because there is so many of them Tralee men Connie Turner and Stephen Tobin enjoying a lovely sunshine Friday evening at Feenit while relaxing Moss Joe Brown always brilliant to get Moss Joes they're always so entertaining as well yeah, kind of Master, interesting. Isn't there, there's always a funny angle to Moss like it's great and I know the two gentlemen they're two, two lovely gentlemen like that outside in Phoenix and they're sitting down on that bench and they're looking out over to see what more would you want it's fantastic Patrick Godfrey how are you doing over there in Listowel always listening to Radio Kerry well you were up early some morning there because there's a photo here 5.30 5.30am dawn breaking in Listowel and it does the sun is rising very early this it is and, this and, like, and it's setting very early I think it was nearly a uh, quarter 11 last yeah, night a before stretch it, it was a magnificent <laughs> stretch in the evening like that it's a great time in the morning to go up and to take pictures because I always say to people like that that's kind of like that golden hour when you can see the lights and if there's shops lighting in the shops you can see through the windows and you can see back up the floors and great picture great up that early in the morning and great to hear the birds sing that hour in the morning you are my grand sunshine. I like what you've done there. Our wonderful grandson Fionn and Trixie, our dog, enjoying the sunshine and also checking Uncle Shane is doing the job right and McKenna in a Glimbe. Very cute photo there and it shows the friendship that Doggy and uh, Fionn 
has and uh, Fionn has a great smile doesn't he Dominic is Fionn the dog or the little boy <laughs> <laughs> they're both as lovely to see look, there are pictures like that and you capture and there's pictures that you need to get printed don't leave them on your phone get them printed put them someplace frame them on the wall because forever and a day they'll be fantastic I really love this next one I think it's again thinking outside the box as well and again you are my sunshine it didn't necessarily have to have the sun in it and this is what uh, our listeners were very good at picking up on photos attached for June my sunshine was able to get out and about again after breaking my ankle in February sorry to hear that Siobhan I hope you're on the mend it's great to be back taking photos again the first photo reflections of Lily on her confirmation day and Lily is our famous young photographer I think uh, water lilies at the wetlands an ambassador dog at the county fair um, the reflections one I think is really clever I think the reflections is a class that's, like, that's almost a professional photograph there like it, it's in every aspect it is brilliant it's thinking outside the box people should look at this and it just shows different ways you can you can get a picture out of a picture and it makes a picture that just of a young lady taking a picture and just looking at the reflection to the camera and it's lovely framed in the little frames in the, on the glass as well very good hi John Dominic love the show this is my photo for this month you are my sunshine thanks Nora Nelligan Nora like really beautiful there's a there's like a little scarecrow but um, he's like one of those rag dolls you'd have rag back doll, in the yeah. day yeah. and then a balloon and you have the sunflowers there's a lot of different detail in this isn't there well, for I the think, sunshine theme yeah, I, I think look I think the balloons I probably is going to be the sun in this picture do you know I'm thinking yes. that's, that's the purpose the balloon being there yeah. of that colour like and shined up and it's lovely and these are pictures too, when you walk by you'd stop and you'd look and say oh isn't that lovely like that John very cute very picture and it's a lovely wide picture very nice uh, Carahan Dawn Willie uh, Kelly a nice little uh, Dawn photo as well and also sent us Fiennet Greenway and then as well um, setting sun on Bannerstrand uh, you were very taken by the Fiennet uh, Greenway photo out, out, out of those pictures I've yeah. taken I think it's nice because it shows a road going someplace you don't know where the road is going along there it's slightly sweeping off to the lake you've got the sunset there and he was very cute to make it a little bit interesting to go down low and shoot across the ivy in the bridge the composition is absolutely excellent yeah you were very like from a professional standing that was a, a big compliments there for you Willie well done no you asked for one photo but couldn't decide which sunset pick to send taken at Black Rock end of Banner Beach last Saturday evening Catherine White and we do allow three photos by the way you can send up to three photos but that's not a, a that's not a, an, um, a goal you can send one or two if you want and uh, Catherine has sent us beautiful ones again I really love the feather in front of this sunset behind it's very clever isn't it so the, the sunset behind is kind of in soft focus and we're really focused on that feather and the feather and the, and the feather like it was just there it was probably lying on the beach and it was insignificant to the picture but when you add it in and you stand it up and you give it a purpose it adds to the picture and I always say silhouettes can be got very easy and it's easy to take a silhouette but to create a picture out of a silhouette is quite difficult and that's what's happened here it's created a picture Sheila Quirk always a great um, supporter of this slot hello Joe and Dominic please find three photos of my trip to County Down beautiful summer days love the show Sheila Quirk and uh, looking at the photos there's some wonderful landscape and scenery photos and uh, the boats um, as well I don't think we got them 
in the high res that they were taking in, I'd say it, it, sometimes Dominic and the, people should be aware of this. Maybe when you send a photo on WhatsApp or something, doesn't it? It, it compresses does, them down, does. doesn't WhatsApp it? And then if you send it down, yes, yeah. It, it, actually, we nearly say WhatsApp destroys pictures. Yeah. Know? So like always, if you send a picture, send it by email. Yeah. Or air transfer. There's loads of other bit. WhatsApp. WhatsApp is good to view pictures. If yeah. you want to send pictures to somebody that they have a look at, but you know, it, it just it does it breaks down. It creates a very small. It turns a big picture into poster stamp. Yeah. I actually love that sunset or that sky there. There's lovely shapes in that sky. It's absolutely fabulous. Again, people should get on and have a look at them. Yeah, because and just to be aware of, say, if you're sending now, we haven't got them in on WhatsApp, but maybe you might send them to someone, or you're asking someone to send them them you them. Um, from uh, their phone and they're sending them on WhatsApp and then you send them on to us they've been compressed in this year so the quality is not as good and it's good to know for yourself that if you're going to print off photos um, you know some people go into the chemist and print them off or whatever and then they might have them on WhatsApp and it's just yeah. it's not going to be the same that, that's why I always say to people don't ever get rid of your original yeah. always hold on to your original and do your work on another picture and that's the picture you can do whatever you want but always have your original kept great tip we're going to be looking at more of your photos but we'll go to a break and we'll have more after these the Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee now this is our monthly in focus slot with Dominic Walsh and we're looking at your photos and the theme was you are my sunshine hi Joan Dominic with regard to sunshine theme and its ability to brighten up our lives I attached three images there are two panoramas of Menard West Lisbole one was taken in January and the other last week and they serve to contrast the difference between a dull, dormant midwinter day and a bright, lush, sun-drenched day in May, and its ability to raise our mood and spirits. Hence, you are my sunshine. The other image is a long exposure taken on Canard Strandless Bowl, showing Unsarok, the foal, sea stack with the mountains of Ivara in the background on the same beautiful sunny day. And that comes in from Michael Kennedy, Waterside Inch, last month's winner of Photo of the Month. What does he mean by long exposure? Long exposures, like what I was doing with the with the, the waterfall down in South Kerry, is that you're leaving the shutter opened, and you're leaving it open for could be a second or two seconds. It could be a fifteenth of a second or a tenth of a second, but you know they're caught long exposures. And what happens is anything that's not moving stays perfectly still, and anything that's moving blurs. If you're looking at the picture, you can see the waves and the yeah. Sea. That's why I was wondering. They're it's beautiful. Blurred. Yeah. It gives a lovely effect. Yeah, lovely effect. It's like there. smoke. Kind it of is in the, in the, the water, yeah. Like close. some people can go along and have maybe a twenty-five second exposure on a day like that with mm. the stop-down uh, glass in front of the lens, and the, the sea just comes pure. It's all moulded into each other. It's absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I love that one with the sea stack. Great job again, Michael. Hi there, my name is Kellyanne Conway. This is a great story, Dominic. I got your information through Agnes, so that's Agnes and Kells, who has the bed and breakfast. My great uncle, Eugene Caulfield, who lives in Glenbay, took me to her house while I was there on holiday to get your information so that I can send pictures in that I took while I was there. As I sat with Agnes, we had a wonderful time getting to know each other, and she asked me to come back. I was able to come back and see the baby lambs again and talk with her some more. She asked me to come back a third time, which I did the day before we left. My friend Stephen wound up taking me there twice, and because of you and your radio station or contest, 
we all have new friendships that we are so grateful for. So thank you. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I'm sending in three pictures I took while I was on holiday. and I plan to send some every month. I may just need details on how it works. Well, that's exactly how it works. You email them to jmcgill at radiocarry.ie and three photos is fine. I remember Agnes saying to send in these by Wednesday, the 31st. Good woman, Agnes, you're right. So you have to send them in midday, Wednesday, before the first Saturday of the month. So here are my pictures that I took. In the future, I'll send some pictures from Florida as well. Thank you so much. I'm already planning my next trip back to Kerry, probably around September, for three weeks or so. I'm very excited, Kelly and Conway. What a brilliant story, Dominic. And uh, some great photos as well sent in. Isn't it brilliant? Are we famous, Joe? People are actually listening to us. It's fantastic. We're delighted. Do you know something? Like, this is what photography <laughs> People are actually is about. listening to People us. People are actually listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> this is what photography, like, it, it just goes beyond boundaries. Yes. And, like, there's no languages, there's no nothing. Like, and I always say to people, like, you know, when we were up and I've said in the past, like, there's people all over the world looking at what the pitch, at the pictures that they actually take yeah. and it goes up on the website and as a f- professional photographer if I could go onto a, a website looking for a place to go and if I thought I could see pictures by locals as opposed to professionals I'd go for the locals because they just that's what the place is that's yeah. what it looks like John. great photos by Kellyanne and uh, she has one here with a selfie and there's a goat photo bombing it in photo the background bomber, yeah, yeah. And, look, look yeah. at him looking through there right? yeah, it's a great picture and then we have uh, Kellyanne with the famous Agnes as well which is a lovely portrait shot and uh, that's I, do you know what I'm trying to do up my garden and front area and I'm looking at this it's the most neat clean area I've ever seen. It's just beautifully landscaped, isn't it? That, it that is, place, yeah. uh, A nice rose bushes there as well. It's absolutely fabulous. And you're looking out over the sea. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Kellyanne, you're uh, very welcome to the club and we look forward to getting your photos every month. And uh, you join our Scottish listeners now as well that send photos into us. Hi, Joe and Dominic. You are my sunshine from the view of the daisy on a summer's evening. Brendan Cassan. I just absolutely love this. You talk about macro photography a lot on this, Dominic. It's a real close-up of a daisy. And it's amazing how detailed, how much detail there is in the daisy when you see the, the middle, the yellow part that spreads the seeds. It, it, it looks beautiful. What's it? I know, is that the stigmata or something? Oh, that's right. That? Is yeah, that yeah. what they call that? Is well, the stigmata like is what oh, Padro Pion Jesus said. Right. It's the stigma, I think. Stigma, yeah. is it? Yeah, I that's think you're right. right. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I knew there was something like that, John. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. I'll Google picture. that now while You'll you're Google talking. That while there. I'm talking yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's an absolutely brilliant picture. The thing about it is, there's a, a flower, like a daisy, a big sized overgrown daisy, and you're looking along the top of it. You can see the sun setting on it, and you can see the daisy, the stem of the daisy has these little kind of hair follicles on it, and it's catching the little sun on it as well. That's called backlit photography. As a picture, it's absolutely brilliant. Again, I say to people, this is a picture for the wall the bathroom, the kitchen or someplace like that just to be left there and people come in and see it. You see them on all over the place. Great picture. So there we are. I have the photo here in front of you there, Dominic. The stigma is the middle part and you have the anter and you have you have the petals and all that. But yeah, that's that's the stigma. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't far out. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Um, it is a wonderful photo, so well done, uh, Brendan. Hello, John Dominic. During a recent visit to Ennis Diamond, I met this Claire Fiddler. In this photo, he's listening attentively to his colleague singing. He is guarding his fiddle with the utmost respect undoubtedly music brings sunshine into his life Margaret O'Shea this is one I have a a photo at home it's like a painting of a fiddler in a pub it's a beautiful uh, looking one and this is something as well um, that's kind of like that kind of an iconic image kind of it is and like I I, I photograph fiddlers now a, a lot of musicians a lot like that and I like getting them 
get them in an action but then when they're in their still time or they're, they're not playing look at the position the way he's holding it and the way he's holding the bow and, and, and this the string of the bow like is, is away it's not touching anything it's just left there like that you know? and he's just nice and relaxed the hands are lovely position as a portrait it's a great portrait No, I'm surprised that this is the first one we've seen of the harvest but I suppose uh, that'll be all the rage now you see all the tractors out at the moment Hi Joe making hay while the sun shines Joan Trent uh, sends us a wonderful photo of someone tossing the hay in what looks to me like a massive oh no it's not a massive Ferguson I'm wrong actually but um, a great uh, snap of uh, that Dominic it could be a massive Ferguson massive Ferguson is a red the John Deere is a green isn't it it's, on that? it's, it's not it's a Davy Brown I a think no. I could be wrong but I think I, I think that's a Davy Brown well you'll obviously know a lot more <laughs> than me it's a great and it, it's it's kind of it's a traditional way of doing it like it's not as modern as you're going and you're watching it you can see the guy he's, he's turning the hay there and you've got the gentleman the distance watching what's going on and overseeing what it is like that you know and uh, that that's a love of farming is what you see there isn't it in that picture it's brilliant yeah she also um, Johnson's a brilliant photo of the cattle enjoying the sunshine in Curraheen as well relaxing out chewing the cud we often like to do that myself and Dominic we're too busy at the moment to sit out in the field and chew the cud good morning John Dominic my three picks Mayday Sour Sour John my sunshine brought in the summer at 7am that's Agnes O'Sullivan and uh, Agnes also sends us two other great photos sunset and roses yesterday evening what more do we need John and me and then two happy campers thank you both for your help keep it up Agnes and that is the sheep and the lamb and nothing says the summer like uh, sheep and lambs out enjoying it um, which is brilliant as well around chasing each other Oh yeah, really great selection, absolutely great selection and thanks to everybody sending them in Now let's announce the, our winners for this month and yeah. the overall winner is Brindley Kassan of the Daisy which I thought was absolutely brilliant I thought the way it was taken, it was backlit it was absolutely lovely, great picture Now, and I have to say our first time our lady entered this month on that and I didn't know the story until I see it this morning but it's Kellyanne Conway, the photo bombing goat I thought, I just liked that the goat is there in the back and he said what are they doing taking another picture or something like that I think that's a great picture it just works the picture and just adds a bit of life you know yeah and uh, Kellyanne has great eyes as well which really kind of um, you know really stand out in the photo as well so it works well but it is so funny the way the goat <laughs> the goat wants to get in on the, the act as well which is brilliant but, but like, he's kind of a very cool looking goat he doesn't want to be in the picture but he doesn't want to be out of either one of those goats <laughs> One of those goats. <laughs> oh, those goats. <laughs> and your theme, firstly, sorry, congratulations to Brendan and to Kellyanne. Well done. And we'll put them up on our social media pages as our photo of the month for Brendan and humour photo of the month for Kellyanne. And your theme for next month, Dominic. I think it has to be summer has arrived. Do you know, the yeah. weather we have, people out enjoying themselves you know get out there take your pictures whatever you do walk cycle use your wheelchair whatever you want to get out and get out there and get some pictures like that you know it could be something very simple around your house or just think outside the box ice creams balls anything you want to do just make nice pictures but I think we'll get some great pictures again next summer time. has arrived and it has indeed and uh, get those into jmcgill at radiocarry.ie before midday Wednesday before the first Saturday of the month and you can send up to three photos you can send one two or three whatever you want email them to jmcgill at radiocarry.ie after the break we'll be going back into Dominic Walsh's The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee
You're listening to the Saturday Supplement and it is the first Saturday of the month. Dominic Walsh is still with us and now Dominic is going to show us his archive photo and uh, it's well known around the county that Dominic is a huge Westlife fan so he brought in photos of Westlife band members keep the fans in fine form during the Killarney Summerfest concert held at Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney and this is the 28th of June 2002. Yeah. 21 you, years ago. Yeah, would you think it's that long? When I was looking through the archive and I was going through pictures and this popped up, I thought it was only f- 10 years ago, never mind thinking it was 2002, do you know, on yeah. that. And do you know something? This was Westlife and I think they were at their height of their... Yeah, know, would have been, that. yeah. And uh, they came into Farm 4 on a plane and came off the plane and there was an, a crowd to meet them out in Farm 4 when they came in. And Was there? Oh, there was. It was, oh, it was a big ordeal. Now... They would, it would probably wouldn't be my type of music, you know. It'd be your, more your type and that like that, you know. But like even to get to Killarney to go and take the pictures that day, the crowds and crowds of people that were there on that, you had to go along. As photographers, you had to sign documentation because you have to kind of nearly sign your rights of your life away to get into these places. Mm. But you apply for accreditation about two months before, and your accreditation you had to be vetted to go there. Then when you go there, you're allowed in you might normally be only allowed in for the first three songs or 15 minutes. That's normally the only time you get in. They're a little bit more lenient now. They're letting photographers in a lot longer now because um, artists tend to, you know, just like let the photographers in. It, at the start it was because they, they want them to look their best. When okay. they came out first, the hair was great, the jackets, they weren't sweating or anything like that, you know. So that's why it was always oh, the, the first you. three songs. Yeah. So you, you photograph them at their best. Now I think artists are aware of this and photographers can stay in a lot longer like that, you know. But it just goes to show like that, like as a Kerry, like, we can put on these massive concerts. I know but that, that was a brilliant one, wasn't it? It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. They had a lot of great acts there. They had like a that. lot of great acts, like you know, like Brian McFadden there and that. Like you've young people there, and you can see in one of the pictures. You can see them. The crowd, the crowd was just absolutely huge. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, like I've been to Slane a good few times myself, many years ago, like that. You know, we used to always go to concerts. And it used to be, it used to be like a kind of a pushing scenario, like oh, you were boxed in. But like when this was there, the chairs laid out, you know, they'd uh, like they'd, 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 the stands were involved, like, and there was people there, and you could walk around quite comfortably, yeah, and and get around there. There was kids there, and it it, it just goes to show that, like you know, like when you get a concert like this and I think they're more they're coming back big time now we get yeah. concerts like that you know like like Kerry's a place like people who are organising concerts like I think Kerry's a great place for concerts like that you know yeah. on that and, and, and the thing about this is like you know like the, the people were queuing up outside it took them so long to get in there and I can remember on the day it, it was quite a hot day it was quite a warm day and there was people helping each other and there were like if somebody would come out with cars and there were elderly people, young people and the reason the elderly people were there because they were being the grandchildren because the parents were obviously working could have been away in some place like that you know? and it was great but the one thing we were there on the day and which I never worked out on the day was like as photographers were in the, we, we were able to walk around on that and even to this day I don't know how the lads got into the stage because the only way of getting into the stage is either through the crowd through the crowd so we never knew and we spoke about it afterwards we never knew how they got in whether they brought them in boxes or whatever way but yeah because it's like a 360 stage it's a 360 it? it's in the middle, stage yeah. yeah and they came in and it just 
happens that they just like that because we were there oh we missed them there an hour and a half beforehand and I don't think they would have brought the guys in before that to go inside so they must have brought them in somewhere like that you know but again you know like when you see like the amount of effort like you're, you're looking at the pitch the pitch is all covered mm. with these plastic slates you know the whole way around on that and you know, like the performance, I remember it was absolutely brilliant on that. But like that time, you wouldn't have had earphones or ear, like to block your ears yeah. going up like that. So when you go up close to the stage, or I'm going to say racket, but you can't say racket yeah. because it's music. Yeah. It was just so <laughs> loud like that. So it was fantastic. You know? Dominic was walking around, oh, do you hold with it? <laughs> Keep it down. Um, I, I'm just looking at uh, Brian McFadden. So obviously, that was when he was part of Westlife. Yes. But um, he's wearing a big long leather jacket, and so did Mark Feheli there as well. Like uh, you wouldn't wear a leather jacket today, I tell you. Yeah, and that was in June, yeah. That was in June, like when you think like that, you know, on that. And like, and the stage when you see it, it it's it's in a way, and like the musicians are down inside in the centre of the stage, and it's it's as an organised stage like that. They were walking around the whole stage, and they used every part of the ground. Yeah. So no matter where you were, you would have had a view because eventually it would come around. You know? Would you prefer that no concert to be on it? night time for photos for more dramatic photos like or would you need to talk to the lighting person then of what way it's going to go because sometimes you see like unbelievably dramatic shots um, you know at gigs um, Dermot Kennedy now is at him in the INEC and there were some great photos after the, that gig you know because the lighting and the steam and the smoke or whatever they use is so impressive well, I think this must have been down to their licensing I'd say that it was so early in the day yeah. like that. I love these evening concerts and late into the evening like that and you get them like you know, you watch them. The lighting is amazing, and the light shows now are just beyond amazing. Like, yeah. as a photographer shooting these things, like you're just getting so much out of them. You're getting a lot more out of them visually. Yeah. Like, whereas this is a daytime stage now, the lighting was on, but it just it didn't catch them on that. Yeah. Like you can see Brian McFadden there. I'm shooting onto him, and I've got a bit of a stage, and I have the lighting behind him, but I'm only shooting a white overcast sky behind him. Yeah. Like. As I say, if that was an evening, yeah. you'd have massive lighting in there. Yeah. And do you have to be adjusting then, like, on the fly to what's happening in front of you then? Because it could be very bright at one second, very dark in there, because of the flashing lights and all that. Does that affect you? Well, what you tend to do is, even though it's, it's probably very bright, normally there would be a, a single spotlight would be on the singers, you know, the musicians. on the, They're normally pretty well lit and it's the lights around it would be flashing and going up and increasing bright and darkening and that you know so you would always meet her for the face mm. that you see in front of you because if their face is good you don't mind if the background is very bright or very dark but if they're dark you've missed them and you've lost the point of actually taking the photograph so that's what I tend to do Yeah Dominic you have a great life going to football games going to concerts and all these things Jeez, it's it's a wonderful life do you know what you might take me on as apprentice next year we might take it on the road uh, we're out of time thanks a million for coming in our theme for next month our theme for next month is summer has arrived summer. get those pictures in take loads of pictures we look at every picture and we talk about every picture that comes in brilliant summer has arrived email them to jmcgill at radiocarry.ie now we're running up to the news at 10 so I'll join you again in the next hour we'll have another episode of Blast of Kerry where we look at family food businesses in this county and we'll also be talking about the old almanac do you remember that it's still around and we'll be talking about a new documentary that's been made about it so I'll join you again in the next hour the Saturday supplement on Radio Kerry Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry.
No, so we're into the second hour of the Saturday Supplement. I hope you're enjoying the programme so far. Now it's time for another episode of Bloss of Kerry, where we look at family food businesses here in this county. And I'm delighted to say this morning's episode, produced by Maureen Nivehuna, and uh, I'm the presenter on it, features Ona Skoll Black Pudding Company. So have a listen to this. This radio series is a Maureen Nivehuna production, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. This is Bloss of Kerry, a unique eight-part series where we provide an insight into the amazing variety of family food businesses represented in Kerry. Some of the most ancient of these trades goes back centuries, and in many of the family businesses we will profile are handed down from generation to generation. Our series aims to reveal the magnificent story and history associated with traditional family food businesses in Kerry. In this episode, we hear from Thomas and Eileen Ash of the award-winning Onuskol Black Pudding Company. Eileen Ash, Onuskol Black Pudding Company. And Thomas Ash, Onuskol Black Pudding Company. It began over 100 years ago, Joe, when my granduncle, he's up there, he's Michael F. Ash. He left Ballantarmon, which is a farm just over the road there, maybe about a mile outside the village, still in the family. And he went to America, he went to Boston. And uh, he was there for a number of years and he ran a pub there. He had a pub in Elliott Street in Boston. But he came back then with his wife, American-born wife, Ella, who had Honest Gold connections. She was Ella Flahev. And they bought a site here off the Tralee and Dingle Light Railway. And funny enough, we still have the receipt, which my father nearly threw out not so long ago before he died. And for £12, you were looking at it there, £12 in 1913, they bought the site off the Tralee and Dingle Light Railway. So we still have the receipt. So they opened it in 1916 and went from there. They ran it until the, the 1950s. I think the mid-50s thereabouts, Michael F. died and my father took over. And what did they run it as for those years? What did they do? Early on, Michael F. and his wife Ella, they would have done like all... Like the, the, the village was full of shops. It was... Um, my father again we went through all that before, shortly before he died and we wrote down what every business was in the village and the village was completely self-contained because transport was an issue even though they had the train so you had carpenters you had smiths two of each I think you had two shoemakers and so on and so forth and this shop then they sold they sold everything basically they would have sold any groceries they would have sold a bit of hardware they would have sold meat they also, Mike, Mike Leff was also a butter merchant and an egg merchant, so people would have sold him the butter and the eggs and he would have sent that then on the train to Cork, to the butter market. And there was, there's to be a special carriage on the train with louvered kind of sides just for air to keep things cool. So that's, that's where the butter and the eggs went way back then. And then my mother and father took it over and I suppose it, they modernised the small bit back in the 60s and it would have been a general grocer. And again, they sold everything. So, like, there's ledgers around there. I could show you one up there. On this yeah, side. let's go on. Let's let's yeah. look at um, uh, one of the ledgers here. So, just for example here, there's a... I won't give the names that are up in the ledgers, right? But these were all paid at the end of... The, you know, these would have been... This would have been built up over the, the wintertime and the summer, and then at, at harvest time, maybe, when they came into a few pounds, they would have been... You would have paid off the bills and all that. So, you can here see here, sheep, mark, bucket. This is all the one person. Over the course of months, shovel, overalls, plastic cloth, um, cigarettes, uh, underpants, castor oil, sweater, wellington's, rope, bacon, underpants again. Uh, yeah, and it goes on and on. Like, you name it, it was sold. What was and the that, price of an underpants then? 
The underpants, where, where, where are we gone again? Oh, it was one and six. <laughs> that's in 66, is it? Is that the year up That's there? 66. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, that's the year I was born and I only happened to see this. I didn't open this on purpose here, but 1966, so I was born on May the 23rd. And you can see my mother's writing here up until May the 18th. And she's back writing again then on June the 7th. And I was <laughs> the 23rd in between, so maternity leave was fairly short. And there was, there was four other kids about steps of the stairs above me. So, yeah. You mentioned that the railway, or the train, we're actually very close to the railway here. Describe our location where we are. Yeah, it's just down the, the backyard there. So the wall that divides us from the neighbouring field there, which would have been Jackie Connors. Um, the, the, the track ran right in the middle of that so that we actually have one of the rails up on the wall below because that held up a shed down the back, that and several more. And most of the rails went to hold up sheds, like hay sheds around the, the area. But you can see it there. Look, there's a picture up there. And that's looking down the village from outside. Uh, you happened to comment there on the Randy Leprechaun when I met you down the yard. But that used to be Bracklown House. So the train passed there. It came from Tralee. Just took a little right there up the village and then went down the back of the shop. So you were looking down the village there as we as we look at it from above, we'll say. So and where did they get off? Where was the station? The station then was up in Station Road. Yes. <laughs> right? So um, that, that's non-existent now at the moment. There's still a kind of a water tower there. And, um, so then it went on to Lisbon and on to Dingle. Mm. And would there have been goods brought to here from there then and you were moving goods? Uh, goods brought, yeah. yeah. Like a lot of cattle would have travelled, I would imagine, and animals and people as well. But it was... Um, I think it, it finished up in 1953. I, I'm fairly sure it was the last one that went. Mm. It was a sad day, a sad occasion for it, but I don't think it was used that much at that stage. And I suppose more is the pity you now with all the greenways that are opening up that it's completely gone. The track, or what would have been the track, has all been divided up, it's gone. Mm. You know, so it's unfortunate because it would have been a spectacular greenway as well. They ran from uh, the late 50s up until the, uh, I suppose, the early 90s or when I took over. and. Uh, they, but they were still involved, like, up, even after they're semi-retired, they never retired, really. And they kind of moved down the village into another house. And uh, um, so I took over then in the mid-90s, we'd say, and I just I ran it as best I could. And I think the last time we spoke to you, we were celebrating 100 years of the shop in 1916, but unfortunately the shop closed three years ago now. And that's just because of the way, I guess, the economics went and shopping changed and it's very difficult then for in a small village if you're not there yourself all the time like I don't live or we don't live on this premises like we used to because it was all a family business there was no staff employed but if you're employing staff and your turnover is only limited then it becomes almost impossible to make money out of it and so we took the decision and it was a heartbreaking decision in we closed on the 4th of January 2020 and it was like it felt like we killed somebody and there was, there was a bit of shock around the, the area and all that, and it was very difficult to do. And we had a bit of a, a big close down on a Saturday, and it was something like a wake, really, because we got mass cards. And, uh, but anyway, and it was sad for a number of years. No, no, about a year and a half. But lo and behold, my niece Trina, who was brought up in Onnescall and pretty much brought up in this premises, um, she came back from Dublin and was working from home in the village, with her partner, Trina was solicitor, and she came to us one day and she said she'd love to open a coffee shop. And we thought she was completely out of her mind. But 
almost two years later or a year and a half later and it's, it's fantastic success and it's great for the village and it's actually great to have the front door open again because it was a sad kind of a thing to pass up the village and it had died a bit, you know, at this end of the village but there's great life now and it's a great place to meet people and sure, I suppose coffee shops are the new shops you know, that's just the way it is They're the new meeting places as well Well they are, yeah, yeah, because you always, like you never know who you're going to meet there and it's great all year round because the locals love it but then you have loads of tourists in the summertime as well so, and it's a passing we're lucky here that we're on the road to Dingle you know Loads of people pass through Onuskal. Loads of people come to Onuskal, but a lot of people pass through Onuskal. And I often think in other parts, you really want to be going there to go there. You know, you don't just stumble on them. But anyway, so we're lucky that way. There's no doubt that the history and heritage of the shop is fascinating. But what about the food side of the business and their famous pudding? How did that come about? Well, pudding would have been made everywhere. So that, not just in businesses, commercial um, settings, but in private settings. Um, so every everybody would have reared a pig. They would have killed the pig. They would have collected the blood. They would have given pudding. They would have given sausages or whatever they made to the neighbours because maybe they didn't have refrigeration back then. Actually, we even have a footage from 1957 of a pig being killed above where my mother came from by her brother and my grandmother collecting the blood, which is extraordinary. It, it was my aunt Joan came home from New York and she happened to have a video camera in 1957. It's... Like, unbelievable, really. And I, anyway, we have that. But I suppose Michael F. and Ella then would have had this all meat, so they would have sold pudding like every other shop. And gradually then people stopped keeping pigs and then there was no pudding available. But pudding was always available here. It was always kept going and almost died several times. So it was just the black pudding. And all my mother and father made was the black pudding. But then you had black pudding in... Uh, like Patiatis and Dingle, you had Fintons, I think, had black pudding. There were several different black puddings, but West Kerry, a bit like Sneem down your direction, was there. it was made in cakes and it was kind of cooked in ovens as opposed to boiled in rings for some strange reason. I don't know, it's peculiar to Kerry. And that's the way we always did it. We never changed that. Um, in the early 2000s, then I kind of developed the pudding a bit more weeded and... Later on, then, we kind of added white pudding. Then we did sausages and dry cure bacon. And we've just built up a business that we're lucky that it has kept going. Difficult at times, but it's been good to us and we employ people on the skull. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tough work, but it's good. And it's great to keep the tradition alive. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. You're listening to an episode of Plus of Kerry, where we provide an insight into the amazing variety of family food businesses represented in Kerry. In this episode, we hear from Thomas and Eileen Nash of the award-winning Onuskal Black Pudding Company. Eileen explains where they distribute their products to. We would sell in around 60 different shops in Kerry. We would be in a few shops in Dublin as well, and then we'd supply to some restaurants and cafes. Uh, so mainly Kerry-based distribution is a problem for a, a short shelf life type product. Mm. And how many people work here? We have just five of us, six of us all together, so we're very lucky. We have a great gang with us. So we have Anne, we have Catherine, Dolores, and then Johnny. You just saw Johnny taking off there, delivering again this evening. So um, so it's great. It's As Thomas said, it's you know it's hard work, but um, I think when it's something that you're really believing and you're kind of passionate about, like, you know, 
um, having a really good, particularly the black pudding, I suppose, and the fact that it's fresh blood. So it's quite different because it is fresh blood. A lot, a lot of the pudding, the black puddings now are made from imported dried blood. So that's very important to us that we keep that ethos. And it's coming from, you know, a Kerry abattoir, Kerry cows. Um, so that would probably be the signature product. And, you know, we've built up a complimentary suite um, around that. So I suppose what's different as well about the black pudding is it's smooth in texture compared to a lot of other puddings. So a lot of chefs like working with that then that they, you know, they can create a signature dish themselves um, from it. How important is it to your customers about Providence and where, where something comes from? Because there's a, a real increase in that, isn't there, about knowing where your uh, food comes from, food miles and all this. How yeah. important is that to your customer? Um, I think it's hugely important to us. That's always been our ethos that we would, we would source absolutely as much as we could within Kerry and if not within Kerry, within Ireland. And I think it's really important to customers and it's become more so. So with COVID, I think there was an increase, uh, uh, you know, an increase in awareness of that, of being aware of where your food actually comes from and re, you know reading the in- ingredients you know there's a lot to be done you know at EU and Irish level about you know accurate labeling and knowing where food comes from and kind of confusion for customers um, but you know we would have you know, especially when the shop was open, you know, people who would maybe come in on holidays and, you know, stories about, you know, I have to take the pudding, I'm going to visit such a one and I was warned to bring the sausages. So, there, you know, I think that's the great thing about food. There's a, there's a language around food or, a, you know, it's a common theme that, that people have and it's, you know, it's one of the great joys, you know, in life. Um, we're, we're also, we're very lucky in, in Corcoguina overall. We've just, there's a new food network, um, Beadingle, it's a Corcoguina food network and that whole ecosystem us is exactly the same it's like getting local food on local plates and making it easier for local businesses to support other local businesses so it would have started during COVID um, there would be maybe have been 60 people on you know once a week was supported um, by NKWD and it was really what really struck me starting out was that we're all in one peninsula and yet there were so many small producers that didn't know each other. So it's just that, you know, kind of our Shkahakela, Vara Nadina, that, you know, the more, that, you know, that you can lift all boats. Um, so we're now at the stage of there is a steering committee and, and looking at members, but that would be the ethos to, and that it's a peninsula-wide initiative, that it's it's your restaurateurs, it's your accommodation providers, it's the local shops, you know, that they're all saying this is, this is you know, grown on the peninsula um, and that you you know you you know it works both ways it, it'll help people live on the peninsula it'll shorten food miles you know it it it, cre- it 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 continues the tread of you know some products like ours that are you know it's a hundred and whatever year old recipe other you know new new products that are that are coming you know coming on board or being developed around the peninsula and enabling people then to be able to both live here um, and you know make a living and so that the locals do better and also you have a better tourist experience as well hopefully Thomas Niley and her husband and wife team so how does that dynamic work and how do they keep family life and business separate if at all uh, it does a bit, I suppose. We would say that it wouldn't, you know. But, and we're full of great ideas. <laughs> with a glass of wine on a Friday night. And then, you know, that's one of the snags of being in a small business. It's, it's a bit relentless at times. And it's the, it's the short shelf life we deal with. So it's very hard to take time off. Um, and that's, that's the other thing about, about having a food network. You're all so busy doing your own job that you don't get time sometimes to kind of take that, st- that step back and say, well, you know, where could, you know, what, what could we be doing? You know, so we'd have, you know, lots of ideas, putting them into, 
putting them into practice takes, you know, a bit. But, you know, it's good. It enables you, you know, I suppose we're both very, very passionate about food, you know, and about, about kind of supporting local and, and that sort of, you know, and to have something that you're proud of and that you can, that you really can stand over yourself. You know, we, there's an awful lot of other shortcuts and cheaper ingredients and things that we we could have used over the years. And it's just, that's not, the, and that's not our ethos. And we would actually... You know, we wouldn't. We would just cut if 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 it came to that. So, um, I suppose we're we're still together. <laughs> How many years later? <laughs> Thomas is not away. Um, just in relation to you, then taking over the business, and you know, was there kind of an expectancy, or is there a pressure there? I know you've kind of taken it your own way. Then I suppose so. That's how you've kind of made it your own. But what was it like for you at the, at the beginning? Um, I wouldn't say there was any pressure there, there was no pressure there. Like, I went off to college, Mariette, to have a, a career in something else, and I failed abjectly. But, uh, so I came back with my tail between my legs, and uh, was there an expectancy that one of us would probably take it over? All right, I would, like, there were six in the family, I'm not too sure that any of the others, the others have an interest, maybe they did. But, um, yeah, it was challenging, to say the least, because there was work to do, and uh, there was times when you would wonder, is this actually worth it, you know, that you're pushing against the hill the whole time? Um, and there has been ups and downs, but overall, you know, like Eileen says, it's West Kerry is a wonderful place to live, and the likes of this gives the opportunity, like even the shop at the beginning, to live in West Kerry, because um, I suppose opportunities are, are few around here, and, uh, well, maybe it might change now with working from home and all that, so... But was there an expectancy... I don't know. And you're probably going to ask then, what about the next generation, is it? Yeah, I can see you nodding away. Um, there's, a, there's a kind of research and statistics that show that I think 30%, this might be global, maybe not national, about 30% of businesses go to the second generation. I think 12% go to the third generation. So we're the third generation. And I think it's something between 3 and 4% go to the fourth generation. And we have four children. So... Um, do they have any interest? They're great to work. They've all worked down there and they, 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 get, they muck in, no problem at all. But would we expect them? No, you couldn't because there's three in college, one doing the leaving cert with notions of going to college and um, they have to do their own thing. And there's no law that states that you have to do what your parents did. But um, so where, where it goes from here, nobody knows. Nobody knows. You know, if one of them comes back and wants to take it over, fine. But we ain't hanging around for another 20 years of this. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. The history is very important to you, though, isn't it? Like, the both of you, and we're in a room here where it's surrounded by history. So it's important for you to kind of catalogue it and have it here, isn't it? Yeah, we're delighted that we did this because this was part of the old shop. This was actually the kitchen where eight of us lived this exact dimensions so there was a jubilee range there and that was the only source of heat in the house and uh, the shop was there and so it's, it's ironic that we're back in here again and we do come up here for our coffee and our meals and everything and uh, so this was the space that was left and we had we had all these photographs and we just did them on a kind of a boards and took us through the history of the thing and you can see like pictures of the village going back to that's the late 18th, 19th century, I think. And then there's Mike Left, then there's Mike Left, and then there's kids walking to school up the street, the train in the background. There's a Corpus Christi parade. There's a picture there outside the shop with the donkey and car and loads of people up in it. Uh, that's my father and his sister in the background inside the door, Helen, who worked here for years. 
they're all dead now and then there's, there's actually two kids there that are very much alive there's Michael Devane and Jerry Egan from across the road and then you see my mother and father getting married and then there's an old Donegal team there's a team there in Donegal from 1988 when we won the West Kerry Championship for the first time and I think it was 31 years but yeah but history is very important to us and like we have other stuff as well like we have my mother's sewing machine and we have all the ledgers um, well we have oh, oh, that over there and that, that rod there which was longer but my father told me that was actually for stoking the, the coals in the train you know just you know, like the stokers yeah. but it was longer than that um, over there you can see a, a weighing thing for because you know, Michael F was a wool merchant so that was there was more onto that but also in the foreground there hanging up is a pulley and that pulley was used when I was small to pull up the heifers before the block and tackle came in before later then an electric uh, pulley came in but so it would take a number of men to pull up a heifer on that and that nearly got thrown out several times and um but not long before my father died, I was asking him about it, and it was rotten and everything. And so he said that pulley came from a ship that was shipwrecked back in Menard Strand, and it was called the Ruth Hickman. And I managed to research it after, and it was on the way from Buenos Aires to Cove in 1921, I think, with a cargo of wheat and maize. And it, everything would have been taken off it by the locals. There's actually a song written about it, which I'm trying to get the words of. But anyway, that ended up here, and it was put to great use. But, and it's still here, and it's great. It's a little bit of history. Every small business has its challenges. What does Eileen love about the business? I think you, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, and we'd be very passionate about it. Like, the history, like as Thomas says, means a lot. But, you know, it's having something that you can really stand over and that it's really good quality. You know, it's, 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 it's something that you would put on your own table. Um, and it's kind of the idea of putting it on other, other families, other friends, other kind of communities um, around Kerry and also a little bit, a little bit further afield. And there's great, you know, there's great stories of people coming back to us, you know, and saying, you know, they, you know, they use our products for special occasion or for a gift or, you know, all that. So all of those things kind of, you know, they, they make it worthwhile. I think you have to have, you know, have to have a love for what you do and you have to have a pride for what you do. And as we've said already, that ethos of, of supporting local and using local has always been really important to us and to have the best quality product that we can put out on the shelves. And, you know, you're, you're as good as last week when you're making um, kind of food, you know, food products. So, so it's tough from that point of view, but, you know, but it's, it's rewarding as well. And the most important question of all, what's the best way to have black pudding? The best way to eat black pudding is just slice it, have a nice hot pan, hot oil, put it into it, don't keep it in too long because it's actually cooked already well, it's, it's classed as a raw product, so it, but you could, it's been steam cooked for three hours, but so you're just heating it really and you want the inside to be nice and moist and you want the outside to be a little crisp, so maybe a minute on each side and that's just perfect then. How can people get more information on you? If they look at the website, www.ownascallblackpudding.com or we're on social media as well. Yeah, the Honest Gold Black Pudding Company there and I want to wish them all the best going forward. You can't beat a nice bit of black pudding. I'm a big black pudding fan and Honest Gold Black Pudding and the rest of their products are absolutely delicious and we wish them all the best for the year ahead. Now, after the break, we're going to be talking about the Almanac. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. 
Now, so I mentioned earlier in the programme that we're going to be talking about a new proposed film documentary on the old Almanac. Do you remember that? It's a publication that's been around for centuries now. And during the week, I spoke to Nathan, who's one of the producers of this film documentary, about what the Almanac is and also this fascinating documentary they're going to be producing. So, award-winning Irish filmmakers Nathan Fagan and Luke Daly are currently in the process of researching and casting for a feature-length documentary on Old Moore's Almanac. The publication, which has been in circulation since 1764, has become one of Ireland's longest-running and most-loved publications. Now, many of you would have heard of it, and maybe a few of you haven't. Uh, The Almanac is a reference for rural communities across Ireland, providing information such as tide times, moon phases, and animal March schedule, so no doubt a lot of the farmers um, out there listening maybe handed down to the generations would have heard about this but I can't wait to hear more about it. Nathan Fagan joins us on the line. Nathan, you're very welcome how are you this morning? Great, thanks Joe, thanks for having me Um, doing really well. So I kind of gave a brief introduction to it there but what was the Almanac and how did it come about? Yeah, so basically, uh, as you said, the, like the Almanac, it was first printed in 1764 um, by an individual whose name I will probably get wrong, but Theophilonius Moore, um, who obviously, possibly not his birth name, but um, he was, uh, I think he was originally from, uh, he was originally from Offaly, and he was living in Dublin. And I think at the time there was a, there was a number kind of, like in the UK and I think in other parts of the world there was things similar to the Almanac but he created his own version which became what is now Old Moore's Almanac um, and yeah it's basically it originally started as uh, I think it was called Merlin's Almanac and then it changed its name a few years later and yeah kind of amazingly it's been printed every year since 1764 so there's literally about 200 years there of editions which is pretty incredible and was it owned like was it owned by any particular group or like how did that work you know over, or, or right up over the, the the centuries yeah i think it's um it's kind of it's sort of changed hands in terms of uh you know obviously the editors have changed mm. over you know the, the many many years and uh different kind of different kind of publishers have pu- continued to publish it but um i know it's yeah I, I don't actually know the full details as to the whole history of the publication of it but yeah for whatever reason it's just kind of persisted i think because of its appeal and its you know popularity among people but also um i suppose as well i think it's just it's quite a unique publication um and continues to be today there's just not really anything else like it so yeah and is it is it uniquely Irish, because you know the, the the weather is a great old <laughs> conversation here in Ireland. And you're talking about the tides, especially here in Kerry. Um, you know, yeah. we 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 run our lives by the tides. So you've the the fishermen, coastal community, but then you have people, I suppose, swimming, surfing, and all this. Um, they always want to know the tides, and that's why Radio Kerry actually do the Tide Times. Um, so is it a uniquely Irish uh, publication, like, or is there something similar to this elsewhere? Well, I think the, the the actual idea of the almanac, um, which would kind of cover similar things, so like, you know, information that's relevant to the farming community, um, like, yeah, like cattle marts, tide times, weather prediction, things like that. I think they, there is a history to publications that would be called almanacs um, in other parts of the world, but I think, that, like, Oldmore's Almanac is kind of a uniquely Irish publication in the sense that there's very particular things about the Irish version that kind of make it kind of uniquely Irish. Um, but, yeah, I think it's probably, 
it seems to be kind of one of the oldest ones still in publication in the world. Um, so that's, yeah, mm. that's kind of what makes it quite unique, I think. Yeah, and this reminds me of the film movie franchise Back to the Future, but, um, you know, there is prophecies in this as well, uh, you know, of what, what's going to take place. Was that always there? Yeah, well, I think that's kind of a big part of its appeal. Um, there's always been, it's always been kind of a, a mixture of things. So it's a mixture of kind of very practical information about, you know, cattle marts and tide times and information about kind of things that are relevant to the farming community. And then there's a mixture of, there's always been kind of articles on different topics that are relevant to Ireland and the rest of the world, uh, you know, throughout the years. But the predictions are kind of there yeah they've, they've been a mainstay um, as part of the kind of the almanac since the beginning but I think you know the original it did begin as something Theophilonius Moore himself was a soothsayer essentially so the predictions oh. are kind of they're always been a part of it and um, you know it, what's interesting is you know going back I haven't I haven't taken the time to fully go through each prediction myself yet but um, <laughs> you know there's always a mixture of things that are really surprisingly kind of you know Accurate, and then there's some that are obviously, you know, maybe a little bit off the mark. But I think that's kind of what makes it. I think that's a big part of its appeal, you know, for people whether people are kind of buying it and reading out the predictions in the pub, you know, around Christmas time or around family dinner table. You know, some people might just get a bit of crack out of it. Some people might actually be trying to get a sense of what's coming down the line. So. uh yeah, I think that's kind of a big part of its appeal and what makes it kind of great, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to be brave enough to say the man's name that started it, but um, he sounded like he was kind of a, a very interesting character. Yeah, I, I like so there's there's a little bit of information historically about him, um, and apparently, actually, I think his, he's buried in uh, Drumcondra churchyard, um, and his grave is still there. But yeah, he's quite an interesting character. I think he ran a a school in Milltown in Dublin, like a kind of classical academy, and then he started this publication, um, and which kind of, yeah, continued up to, to, to like, throughout his life, I think. Mm. Um, not not a huge amount known about him, <laughs> like, other than kind of what's there in the records, but, um, yeah, quite a fascinating character, really. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that it has continued up to today, because, you know, you can imagine, like, information mightn't be as, as plentiful in relation to... Um, different things like the tides, the weather, as you mentioned there, and just the uh, events that are going on. With, with the advance of the internet, that seems to be a lot easier. It's still amazing that it is kind of remaining popular. Yeah, well, I think I think for me, like, and this is certainly what's drawn me to the project, mm. is, is I think, like, its popularity kind of has kind of remained because, as I say, it's quite a unique publication. There's nothing really, like, like it out there, you know, because it is such a mix of... It's such a mix of kind of things, and there's definite entertainment value, but also actually very kind of helpful information in it. But um, I think, yeah, like, you know, I think as well it's sort of about tradition, and that's certainly what we want to kind of capture in the film, is that I think for a lot of people who continue to buy it, they would have memories of, you know, maybe their grandparents, their parents, their uncles, their aunts, always buying it every year. They would, you know, sit around the dinner table at Christmas, read out predictions, the horoscopes, all these different things. So I think for a lot of people, it's it's kind of about tradition. And I know that, like you know, a lot of individuals like have memories of, you know, that their father would go down to the pub and read out the predictions with his mates around, you know, Christmas time. So I think that's definitely part of the appeal. Um, and I think that's that's something we really want to capture, kind of, um, in the film itself, is we really want to kind of talk to individuals who, yeah, who kind of have this sort of you know connection to it, who have memories of 
it being kind of bought every year and spoken about in the house and and you know it could be very simple just stories or memories or people might have very interesting stories about it um but that's kind of part of the yeah i think that's part of the kind of enduring appeal of it you know yeah and i mentioned it would have been popular in 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 this county so you're appealing to people um this morning listening that would have any stories or any kind of memories of it uh, or have it in the house exactly yeah we just so um part of the film like the the kind of what we're trying to do with the film is both delve in a little bit into the history of the almanac itself because what's kind of amazing about it is you have you know you have 200 years of editions and really the kind of the editions themselves both the articles and what's being talked about and the advertisements in a, in a funny way they're this amazing snapshot of kind of how Ireland has sort of transformed over you know the last 200 years really mm. so that's part of what we're trying to do with the film but a big part of it is we just really want to kind of have an opportunity to talk to people you know in their homes people down in you know around Ireland basically who have you know they might have kind of just memories of the almanac being around the house they might have their own personal connection to it but it's not there's no real we kind of want to hear from anyone and any everyone and anyone really and there's no you know you don't have to have some big profound story about the almanac I think kind of we just I think yeah and that's that's the idea is like I think the almanac itself allows us into a kind of it's sort of a window into sort of this uniquely Irish tradition I think you know I think there's something kind of it says a lot about kind of how Irish people like to sit around and kind of tell stories and whether that's, you know, based on things that are being talked about in the almanac or it's really just a way for people to kind of get together in a communal sense. So that's that's really kind of the goal of the film. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear um, the, you know, the prophecies, they didn't even come true or anything like that, you know? <laughs> It'd be great Absolutely, yeah, no, and that's, that's certainly what we'll be doing. We'll be exploring a little bit of that. And, you know, I think as well, that's, I think some people might have very interesting stories about that in relation to, you know, maybe some things came through, maybe some things didn't come true, maybe some things guided them over the years through the almanac. Um, so that's like definitely part of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Was there anything? Was there anything like funny stories in them or anything like that? Like you had, you mentioned the Thai Times, the the Marts, and kind of the the horoscopes and things like that. What else were was in them, or was that mainly it? Yeah. No. There's a big mix, and that that continues right up to today. You know, there's articles about you know, different kind of, like, issues that are relevant to Ireland and the world, you know, year to year. Um, but, I mean, for me, like, one of my favourite things looking through the old almanac is the advertisements and how much they've changed. So, you know, you could find some really incredible things from some of the early editions. Uh, so, for example, you know, there's there's some very interesting ads for kind of oils and tinctures to prevent baldness from the 1950s. And there's, uh, in a... 1930s edition there's a really interesting and kind of unusual contraption uh, that people could post away for and get sent to them which would uh, basically you know said it could straighten people's noses and make them smaller <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> fascinating thing. and then there's also uh, a really really interesting uh, ad in one of the 1927 editions um, going back now I think you could buy that for about six pence at the time or something but um, good value it was <laughs> yeah pretty good value um, but what's really fascinating about this is it's something called the Labrasura Surgical which when you look at the ad you kind of wouldn't really think much of it you know it's it's using very kind of coded and euphemistic language to essentially talk about uh, contraception so it was, there, yeah it's a really fascinating thing and I think it says a lot about 
where Ireland was at that time, you know, I think we all have a kind of assumption that obviously contraception would have been very socially unacceptable, but there were people interested in it, and that was certainly something that people were kind of, you know, at least it was on people's minds, so it was something called uh, the Triumph Treatment, that's what they were advertising, um, which is a quite coded way of talking about contraception, and so what people would do, they would send away for this manual that would come with, uh, that would arrive at their house, and as part of that manual that you would buy um, in the post, it would actually be an early version of a 1927 condom, which is <laughs> quite a fascinating yeah. thing. So, Whoa. yeah, so yeah, there's loads of little n- nuggets like that. It's a, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Yourself and Luke, how did it come across? Like, wh- how did you come up with the idea? Was it something you always wanted to do, or you just heard about, or wh- where did the idea come from in that in that in that front? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of these ideas, you know, they kind of they just come in different ways um, I think well for me uh, certainly it was I grew up in a household as a child with like multiple generations living in the house like a lot of Irish people and uh, I had a grand aunt Kitty who was originally from Tip she had grown up on a farm in Tip and she would buy it every November and so I do remember I have kind of you know strong memories of her reading the horoscopes and the almanac always sitting around and me picking it up and looking at this kind of strange publication Um so that, like, over the years, I see it in people's houses, you know, throughout Ireland, and just sort of notice it, and it's always an interesting kind of conversation starter, um, because people have so many personal memories attached to it, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it started for me, I was like, that could be a really interesting thing to explore, and I think for us, you know, I think the kind of documentary films that we really love is, it's about storytelling, you know, it's, mm. a, it's about kind of allowing people to kind of share memories of times that are past so you know particularly people in the farming community it's the kind of way of life that has changed but kind of continues to persist with the new generation so that's something we're trying to explore a little bit Um, so yeah we just thought it'd be a very interesting way to kind of explore sort of tradition in Ireland in that sense like storytelling tradition and kind of like a particular way of life yeah, yeah. These books were always kind of there, like as well as kind of a reference point for like uh, farmers and things like that. Like I know my own grandfather had a book on horses, you know, so yeah. that if they had any ailment, he was able to go out. My grandmother would have had a book on old cures, or you know, to to, to help him, um, you know, like uh, if you got burnt, what would you do, and different things like that. And they were kind of there on the shelf or on the dresser, to, or up on top of the dresser to grab. Um, just as a reference point, so it's similar, similar to this. Um, who publishes it now, or wh- where is it available now? The the almanac. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's um, there's a new editor, um, Nicole Buckler is the new editor, um, and she took it over a couple of years ago. So, um, and she's uh, there's it, you'll notice uh, the new editions are slightly more kind of updated style wise. So yeah. there, there's a bit more color and things like that. Um, yeah, no, they're still on sale. Um, kind of throughout Ireland you'll notice them in your news agent yeah. kind of across the country really so um, yeah they're still very much available and still very much you know popular people are picking them up and um, interestingly they would have always been kind of you know more popular in kind of like uh, counties across Ireland but interestingly there's been a big popularity in Dublin for recent years in recent years for 
not sure why, but there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we remind people how they can get in touch with you again, um, like uh, I know we will definitely bring you back on again when it's closer, when it's closer completion. But where where do you think people will be able to see this, and when do you think you'll you'll get it done? By that pretty pressure, idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, always early days with projects like this. Yeah. Because you know they they take time to make, and not just that. It's we really want to kind of. Do it right to as many people as possible, but um, yeah, well, hopefully, um, hopefully, like by the end of it, when we're kind of completed and we're in that stage, it'll hopefully be available through broadcasters. So yeah. hopefully, people will be able to watch it on television through um, some of the national broadcasters. Yeah, uh, it's a great idea. It's absolutely a, a, a brilliant idea. So, for people that want to get in touch now, listening um, this morning, uh, where should they go, or how should they contact you? Yeah, so the, it'd be great uh, for anyone to get in touch. Anyone who yeah, just wants to chat to us and we really do want to hear from kind of anybody who you know has any connection to the Almanac or is even just interested in us but um, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be we have an email address set up so it's documentary at wonderbread.ie yeah um, so Wonderbread is the name of our production company that we're working with um, so if people want to check out our website as well that's wonderbread.ie they can get in touch with us through that Excellent. So if they Google Wonder Bread, they'll get you fairly handy there. Um, you can always email me, jmcgill at radiocarry.ie, and I will forward it on to Nathan as well, the usual email here on the programme. Nathan Fagan, we wish you all the best with it. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating, a great idea, and I think this is so important. It's part of our uh, it's part of our culture and our history, and uh, I, I, it'll be done through, I suppose, a, a social background and the, how that has changed over the years that, that, against that context, which is wonderful as well. So, Nathan, thanks a million for coming on and telling us all about it. Thanks a million, Joe. Really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting to everybody. Yeah, thanks a million to Nathan there. We're going to take a break with more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Well, we're almost out of time. Where does the time go? But before I leave you go, I want to tell you uh, about a few events that are coming up. The ARC Storytelling Festival is taking place from the 16th to the 18th of June on Valencia Island. And all the events are at the Royal Hotel and Valencia Lighthouse. What a stunning uh, venue the Valencia Lighthouse is. It's supported by Kerry County Council Community Support Fund, the Arts Council Creative Places and uh, Valencia Island Ferry. There's going to be a mix of workshops and live performances performances featuring local and visiting performers and uh, there'll be lots of wonderful events taking place including poetry, live music, yoga and journaling and um, there's a, a few renowned musicians coming as well like Alton Conlon will be there on the Saturday um, as well in the afternoon and uh, Sunday in uh, the afternoon as well there 12 to 3.30 so if you want to find out more information about that you can go to their Facebook page it's Arc Storytelling on Facebook so make sure to check that out also John G. O'Dwyer was in touch and John G. you know he's um, written a lot of wonderful books on the walks and the pilgrim paths around Ireland and here in Kerry and the 5th annual Pilgrim Journey has been launched a fully guided walk along all of Ireland's passport pilgrim paths will take place from June 17 to June 24th. The ancient routes included on the Irish pilgrim passport are St Finbar's pilgrim path in Cork, 
Knocked the Dubber here in Kerry, Cusson and Nave in Kerry as well, and St. Kevin's Way, County Wicklow, and Tucker Fodrick in County Mayo. The walkers collect a pilgrim stamp at the end of each walk before being awarded a completion certificate when they arrive at Ballon Tubber Abbey, County Mayo, after completing the full journey. Knowledgeable local guides will lead each walk, allow time for personal contemplation, outline the story of the route, and explain how medieval penitence coped with the arduous journeys. Advanced booking is essential and must be made individually to each Pilgrim Path. More information on how to book can be found on pilgrimpath.ie. That's all we have time for on the programme this morning. My thanks to Alana Diggin, who was on sound. Thanks a million to you for tuning in, and I hope you'll enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend. Francis is on the way, so keep it here on Radio Kerry, and I'll talk to you again next week on the Saturday Supplement for 9am. Until then, look after yourself and take care. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly, Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee.